distinct but clear differences between the same species. There were many kinds of small birds, but his sharp eye saw that finches on neighbouring islands had different beaks. At first he just noticed and recorded it. Only later did he realise why. He saw things he had never seen anywhere else. Iguanas or sea lizards, and the extraordinary giant Galapagos tortoises. He had fun too. He used to sit on and play with these tortoises. He wrote in his diary, I frequently get on their backs and then, giving a few raps on the hinder part of their shell, they would rise up and walk away. But I found it very difficult to keep my balance. He may have been a great thinker, but Charles Darwin, in his twenties in Galapagos, was quite happy to play in nature as well as observe it. This was a time when technology was just beginning in a big way. There were steam engines and steam pumps and early factories. But most people still believe that mankind, and the plant kingdom and the animal kingdom, was formed in a sudden miracle by God. Just like that. But what Darwin saw in the Galapagos made him think in a revolutionary way. Having carefully watched birds and lizards and examined the strata of rocks and many fossils and the giant tortoises, an idea began forming in his mind that perhaps mankind and the animals started very differently. Perhaps life evolved from a few very simple organisms to more complicated ones, helped by the weather and the organism's energy and desire to survive until life gradually grew into the unbelievably complex living world that we know. This by itself was not a totally new idea. A number of people in England, France and elsewhere had suggested that perhaps life on Earth evolved rather than came into being by an act of God. In fact, his own grandfather, Erasmus Darwin, believed this. So did a Frenchman, the Chevalier Lamarck. But what Charles Darwin began to consider as he watched the animals and compared one to another on the next island, and what his careful research enabled him to prove was how it happened, why it happened. He was to call this natural selection. In other words, the survival of the fittest. Those that survived the harsh battle to live and eat and have offspring were the strongest and the fittest. And Darwin saw it was still happening. Actually, Darwin only had glimpses of this idea while actually on the trip with HMS Beagle. He didn't see the whole truth until he was back in England, walking in his garden and thinking quietly. The strange thing was that Charles Darwin was himself a gentle, unrevolutionary kind of man. He wanted a relatively quiet life and to play with his many children in his garden. He had made that one big trip but otherwise he knew that the life for him was to live with a family in an orderly fashion in his home. He didn't want to become a notorious, though famous, man. The HMS Beagle arrived back in England in 1836. He had on board many specimens of unusual, unknown and even surprising things. He was expected to write a book about it, a kind of naturalist's diary and history and travelogue, and that is what he did, first of all. He wrote a book with a long title. It was called Journal of Researches into the Geology and Natural History of the Various Countries Visited by HMS Beagle. He also wrote The Zoology of the Voyage of HMS Beagle, 
a book with many beautiful illustrations of the birds and animals he collected. But privately, he was making notes of a very different kind. Now, as he was writing in England, his health had changed. He had married and had started a family. He was to have ten children in all with his wife Emma and was living a country life in the south of England. It was the 1840s and then the 1850s and Queen Victoria was on the throne of England. Society was supposed to be civilised, to be ordered and to be religious. Most of his friends were like that. He knew they wouldn't like the ideas running through his head. Could he? Should he really shock society by telling it the truth about how the whole world is always changing and evolving? That man is not the centre of the world, but only one animal amongst many. That the truth of life is that only the fittest survive.